It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Monday, February 15th. As we look to recap, UFC 258 Usman vs. Burns, which took place on Saturday, February 13th at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. And like usual, it's great to be back. What a what a fun card that was. Whole lot of talking points uh, to go over on today's show. Um, but like always, we'll get to the housekeeping first. And, uh, you know, the A topic of any good housekeeping session, uh, of course, is the main card showdown. And, you know, this this was one for the ages. Let me tell you, we had three KOs on this fight card. Not only that, we only had five fights with with three KOs. So, you know, the numbers have been dwindling a little bit for uh, participants. But, um, you know, the the quality of these bouts are, are just getting to, to such a point that uh, you know it's really it's really good to see obviously I thought we'd have the old bouster on there but uh, well I don't know I don't know maybe he's got some holes in his brain or something he doesn't quite understand the concept of the main card showdown but eventually we'll get the bouster on on one of these someday um, but yeah in in the main event of NSS 28 I beat Reagan Hooverman 50-46, knocked him out in the third round, which was the quickest knockout on the card. And, you know, I'm now 17-8-3, and, you know, I, I broke the record. I broke my own record for the longest title defense streak uh, at five. Uh, no, excuse me, four. At four. Uh, longest winning streak at six. That is active. Longest unbeaten streak at seven. Obviously, every time I win, I break my own record for most wins. Uh, another title defense, another knockout, and uh, you know it's just a great time to be the O dog, the O man. I mean, as if there's any other time to be an O man. I mean, you know, it's always a good time. But um, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sitting pretty because uh, the next event is going to be the February Grand Prix. So that'll be exciting. Um, I haven't quite figured out who's going to be in the bracket. Obviously, me and Drew and, well, probably Reagan. Um, maybe maybe Paige. She is 3-0, and although against nobodies. So I, I kind of want her to face, you know, higher competition before we put her in there. But she's off to a good start, 3-0. and uh, Maybe Captain, although he lost. He got knocked out. Uh, Patrick Peterson. He got his first win. Shout out to him. He was 0-3. And got the win. Steve Young starts off 2-0, and now he's on a three-fight losing streak. Um, I mean, Pip might work his way in there. I mean, he, he he lost last week, but he's generally been been winning. So I don't know. It'll it'll be tough. It'll be tough to find that number four guy. But the 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 title match is going to be me and the locomotive on one side of the of the bracket. The only side of the bracket that matters, quite frankly. And then the other side will find somebody and. You know, the Invitational Grand Prix. I mean, I don't fucking... We'll find somebody there. Maybe that's where we'll put Paige and just kind of see what uh, what happens. But, yeah, you know, that was a, that was a good event. That was that was a very good event. A lot of surprising uh, results. 
Uh, I mean, Drew getting a knockout, that's pretty surprising. I mean, he's got two knockouts in a row. This guy just recently discovered that you're... Uh, I don't know if he knew that it was he's allowed to knock people out. I just thought every time he's, he, he's just trying to work his way to a decision, and that's why he's lost a lot of these fights, because he didn't know you could get off to early leads and mathematically eliminate somebody. So, you know, Drew might be dangerous now. He's still well below 500. You know, he's like the, he's like the Artem Lobov of uh, the main card showdown, but, you know, God loves a trier, and you know what I mean? He, he's going to try to take my belt, but, you know, I'm going to derail that, that hype train of the locomotive. Um, but with that, yeah, there's no other housekeeping to get to. Obviously, check out our, our rankings. We do the rankings every single week, uh, usually within the hour of the event ending. I think we had it up in, in under like 20 minutes. So, you know, I think the rankings come out tomorrow, which will be Tuesday. Uh, probably today by the time you're, you're listening to this because it's, it's in the wee hours of Monday. But, you know, we don't, we don't wait. We don't have to fucking think. Uh, I need three days to think about where I'm going to put these people. No, I need three seconds after the fight ends to decide where I'm going to put them because I could look at a fucking list and, uh, you know, yeah, whatever. But, you know, that's the advantage of of uh, North Star Sports. You know, we just, we don't wait for shit like that. We don't, there's no need. There's no need. Um, but, yeah, we'll start here with the main event. It was a, another title defense for Kamaru Usman as he knocks out Gilbert Burns. Uh, early on in round number three with a, a power jab to ground and pound, which was, you know, quite a, a brutal finishing sequence. And, you know, this was a very interesting, th- <laughs> I guess we call it three rounds. I mean, you know, two rounds and, you know, a, a handful of fucking pennies. But, you know, that was that was very exciting. I mean, for like 30 seconds into the fight, Usman just uh, gets cracked in the side of the head with a fucking right hand from Burns and... I got a little scared because I'm a pretty big Kamaru fan. I know he's he's hard to like, but uh, I, I I do like Kamaru Usman, and he's he's very slowly uh, becoming one of the best fighters uh, in the entirety of the UFC, and it's kind of going under the nose of of some people. But you know, I was I was really scared because uh, you know Gilbert's used to dominating. Dominating. Look at his last two fights. I mean, he's not used to to you know losing any individual interaction in a fight you know, in the last year and a half, which is obviously why he's, he's worked his way up to this title fight. And I got, I got scared mostly because, uh, uh, we almost had a, a guy named Gilbert as, as a champion. That's, I don't think that can ever happen. I mean, God bless him. You know, he seems like an awesome guy. His Twitter's pretty cool, but a guy named Gilbert is going to be a champ in the UFC. That just doesn't sit right. That's, that's weird, man. You know, if we want to call him Dorino Burns, that's that's fine. But let's throw out the Gilbert. Let's try to sweep that under the rug. I don't. Uh, it makes me think of Dilbert, and then then that just fills my heart with hate because that used to fucking yeah uh, yeah bad memories as a kid picking up a newspaper and just trying to read some sports. You, know, you just get bombarded with these shitty comics. But uh, yeah, so I mean, thankfully we don't have a guy named uh, Gilbert as as a champ. But uh, yeah, no, so. That first round was pretty dominant for for Gilbert. I don't know if I'd scored a 10-8, but it was about as dominant of of a 10-9 as you could get, and he was just hurting him. He was hurting him. He was tagging him. He clipped him a couple of other times, and uh, I don't know what adjustment the Usman corner and Trevor Whitman, who might be the best MMA head coach in in the business, honestly. You know, there's a lot of really – I particularly like Faraz Sahabi up at TriStar – 
Um, you gotta you gotta pay respect to the the folks over there, Bob Cook and Javier Mendez over at uh, at AKA. I think I think because John Jones hasn't been as relevant the last year, I think a lot of people forget about uh, uh, Greg Jackson. I mean, look at how many fucking champions Greg Jackson has has you know coached in the UFC. But I don't know. Trevor Whitman, for my money, might be the might be the best. And uh, I don't know what adjustments they gave him, but. Uh, you know, this is a really good point that Uncle Chael brought up on the post-fight show, but Kamaru fixed the problem on the feet. So, I mean, it was pretty clear that Gilbert Burns was totally cool with, with Usman coming down to him on the ground. Obviously, it didn't happen, but he tried to, you know, goad him into the ground a couple of times. And I'm sure if Kamaru shot for a takedown, that would make Gilbert very happy because, you know, even if he's on his back, um, he's a very dangerous guy off his back. And... Uh, Usman fixed the problem on the feet. He didn't shoot for a takedown. He didn't shoot for a clinch. He just started using that jab. Oh, that's what the adjustment is. It's all coming back to me. I had a few too many cold ones that night. But uh, he he said, uh, you became a champ on your jab. I want to see your jab. And fuck me, that jab was really good in in round number two. And as bad as Gilbert dominated Usman in round number one... You know, we had the inverse in round number two. Usman was really, really putting it on Burns. And then we get to round three, and it doesn't last very long. Probably the first interaction, you know, he he hits him with that power jab. He just falls down. And then, you know, that's really where the long arms of Kamaru Usman come into play. He had a five-inch reach advantage. And, uh, you know, Gilbert was on the ground, and, you know, Kamaru was getting full extension on his punches as he was punching down to Gilbert's head. And, you know, that's the advantage of being a... uh, a lanky fighter, I, 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 well, long and lanky, not really tall. Usman's not really a tall guy for the division necessarily. I mean, six foot's probably pretty average for welterweight, but you know those long arms. There was nothing Gilbert could do except for just to squirm on the ground, and uh, yeah, that was all she wrote. So, you know, th- that was a very that was a very dominant performance and very very impressive too. Because when you look at it from a thirty thousand foot view. You know, you go, well, Usman won. He was a three to one favorite or whatever, you know, the sports books had it. And he was supposed to win. But when you look at when you look at what transpired within the fight, it's it's actually pretty impressive. I mean, he easily could have been finished. Or I guess I shouldn't say that, but you know, it was definitely trending towards he was gonna get finished in that first round. Fixes the problem, turns it around, and then finishes the guy, you know, probably well, five and a half minutes in actual, you know, clock time. Um, so that's that's impressive. And um, obviously we didn't move anybody in the rankings on this one. I'll try to pull up the rankings here. Uh, Usman stays the champ. Gilbert Burns, we're keeping him at number two. I never had him as the number one contender. I had Covington as the number one contender. So Burns is Burns sits there at number th- at number two. I can't move him down because at number three is Leon Edwards. Well, that guy hasn't fought in, you know, fucking several decades, so I can't do that, and Masvidal lost to Usman, so, um, you know, we'll, we'll keep him there, um, but we did move Kamaru up in the pound-for-pound pound rankings from four to three, so it goes Khabib, John Jones, Kamaru, Israel Adesanya, and Stipe Miocic to go one through five. Now, obviously, Israel's got a pretty big fucking fight coming up here in, in about a month. So if Israel wins, then obviously Kamaru is going to slip right back down to that number four spot because if you hold two belts, well, then at a bare minimum, Adesanya is going to take the number three spot, probably takes the number one spot, to be honest. But I haven't crossed that bridge yet because we haven't 
we haven't uh you know got to that uh 259 yet so uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is becoming a real fucking problem, and I loved, I loved his post fight. It was brilliant. You know, he felt disrespected. He was very um, adamant and uh, uh, energized, and uh, you know, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. He was talking shit, and you know, you can do that when you put on a performance like that. Um, the only thing I, I don't like is the call out of Masvidal. I think that fight doesn't make any sense outside, uh, you know, outside of. Uh, him making some money but there's no reason to see that fight we just saw it we just saw it uh seven months ago why do why do we need to see that again what's changed and i know the obvious answer to what changed will be well he took it on six days notice so if he gets a full training camp that's that's the change yeah but not really guys let's not forget that yes it was the six days notice and yes that's impressive but it's not as impressive as you think because Gilbert was originally scheduled to fight Kamaru at UFC 251. So in, in the months before that, they were trying to make Usman and Masvidal probably for like four or five months, really ever since December of 2019 when he beat Covington. That was the obvious fight, so they tried to make Masvidal. Gilbert, the first time, was only scheduled before the COVID thing happened and they, and they brought in Masvidal. Gilbert was probably only scheduled to fight Kamaru for like two weeks. So Masvidal, for all that time, knows he's going to fight Kamaru. The fight's off, two weeks, and then the six days notice. So he obviously was training for Kamaru, you know, in the early parts of 2020. So it's not like, it's, it's not like, hey, I know you haven't been training. You're literally on your couch. This is an opponent you didn't expect to face let's come over here on six days notice and do it no no no. it was an opponent he knew he was going to face that he was training for and it just wasn't official until six days still very tough got to give the guy credit i'm not trying to take anything away but i'm just saying you know whatever man it's not uh, masvidal needs, needs to get a win he needs to get a win like look at the other guys who are staying active like i know edward's I know he hasn't fought since like July of 2019, but at least he's trying. He had those three fights fall out with Chemayev. Uh, he had the the fight fall out with Woodley, so a lot of it's bad luck for Leon Edwards. Look at Covington. Covington had to go out there and beat Woodley. So why does Masvidal get to lose a title fight and then immediately come back? You know, quote unquote immediately, because it'll probably be a year later. But why does he get to come back and have a title fight right after? He, Masvidal was not a long-reigning champion who ran the, 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 the division for a decade and deserves an immediate rematch. No, he was a, he was a challenger. And, 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 you know, I, don't th- I, I honestly don't think anything would change. I think, actually, if anything, Usman's going to finish him this time because that's the scariest part about Kamaru Usman is for the longest time, well, he's a wrestler, okay? And then as he learns and learns and learns and grows, uh, his striking improves, and then he's a very well-rounded guy, but he goes to a lot of decisions. He's not known for finishing fights. And now, he has two finishes in his last three fights, and it's not just luck finishes. You can see the difference. You can see him becoming a more dangerous fighter. So not only is he a, a very dominant champ, now he's actually finishing fights. So if anything, I see Usman finishing Masvidal this time. And the, the fight wasn't even close the first time. Usman absolutely dominated him there was not a single second in that entire fight where anybody reasonably thought Masvidal was going to win the fight except for the very first second where where nothing had happened when nothing had happened 
you thought there was a chance Masvidal could win. But from second number two, it was very obvious that Usman was going to win that fight. Okay? Now, it wasn't... Now, it was dominant, but when I say dominant, I don't mean dominant in terms of damage. You know, that's a different thing. Usman didn't damage him a whole lot. You know, people make fun of the leg stomps. Okay, fine, rightfully so, or the foot stomps. But, you know, it was dominant. He clinched him. He neutralized Masvidal and won every single round. I think technically a couple of judges might have had it 49-46. Fuck knows what round you would score for Masvidal. But, okay, I'm not going to argue with you if you think he won a round. But point being, there were four other rounds, at least, that Usman won. So it's not like it was a split decision or a 48-47 or it was a 49-46. But, wow, you know, Masvidal had these moments. No, Masvidal had a handful of bursts and didn't do anything with the bursts. And Usman just grappled him, just just clinched with him, took him down a couple of times, and he outstruck him. He didn't do a lot of damage. I think he actually would do some damage if they were to fight, you know, the next time. But it's like, on, on what grounds do you think you're getting a title fight? I just, I hate that. I want to see, you know, hey, if you're Masvidal and, and you want to take on Colby Covington, maybe you do the ultimate fighter, maybe not, because who knows if the timelines line up. But hey, if you want to beat uh, Covington, and then, you know, that's only one fight, by the way, but it's against a very, very good guy, and then go for the title? Yeah, that's totally cool, man, because you got to win in between, you pro- you know, you, you earned it. Like, how the fuck are you going to, how the fuck are you going to tell Colby Covington he doesn't get the next title fight when he's the one staying active and beating a former champion in Woodley? And I know Woodley's fallen off a little bit, but he's staying active, and he dominated him, and he finished him. How are you, how are you going to say Leon Edwards is not next for a title fight when this dude hasn't fucking lost since 2015 or whatever to Kamaru Usman. This dude's on an eight-fight winning streak, and he's accepting fights against a fucking unranked guy who's just a hype train at this point. Yeah, obviously, he could prove himself, you know, if he beats Edwards, and you know, he's not just a hype train, but at this point, who the fuck is Hamzat Jemayev beat? So how are you? Even Wonder Boy Thompson is is staying active and and you know w- winning some fights these days. So it's like, how are you going to say Masvidal is next? That's that doesn't make any sense. So I I just don't like it, man. I I just don't like it. You know, you got to go out there and you and you got to get a win. Beat any of those guys in the top six. Beat Wonder Boy. I know Masvidal has wanted to, to to fight Wonder Boy ever since he lost to him uh, in 2017. He says that's that's one he wants to get back. Okay, then fight him, fight him, and just call it a number one contender's belt. Even though that'd be a lie, but you know, if if you wanted to say that was a title eliminator, well, at least you're keeping Masvidal active and proving that that you know he's earned it. Or maybe that's not the right way of putting it, but it's just man, that's you know, there's some really deserving guys there, like. You know, at least Covington's was close, and I know he got finished, and Masvidal didn't get finished, but at least Covington had a chance of winning that fight. It was 2-2 going into the final round. At least Covington was was making Usman work for it and, you know, actually had some good moments, you know what I mean, and was actually, you know, winning some of the striking exchanges. Probably, he, he was winning 50% of the striking exchanges. That was a very, very, very close fight. Even Dana White says it's one of his favorite fights of all time, so, you know, it's just that makes so much more sense than... George Masvidal. I mean, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Um, yeah, I think I think that's all I have to say on that fight. I mean, you know, kind of gone, kind of gone over it. Uh, and then, and then for Gilbert, I like to hear that he's going to try to come back right away. And I like that he mentioned Robbie Lawler as a guy who lost, uh, you know, a title fight and then you know got a, a couple of really quick wins and you know got it back. So 
I think he's got the right attitude about it and, you know, seems like a good guy, so I'll, I'll be rooting for him. I'll be rooting for Gilbert Burns. Oh, man, LaCroix is so fucking good. All right, moving on here to the co-main event. We had a unanimous decision victory for Alexa Grasso over Macy Barber. Um, yeah, tough one for, for Macy Barber. There was a lot to like, um, but I don't know, man. I, I definitely picked Barber to win that fight, but, you know, Alexa Grasso is is no joke. She's a good striker. She seems very, very strong for, for 125, and, uh, you know, just getting the better on the striking exchanges and, and was threatening on the ground as well. And just a little bit too much too soon for Macy Barber. Obviously, she's not going to be the youngest ever champ, barring, you know, a fucking Hail Mary miracle at this point. And two losses in a row definitely sucks. But um, I don't know. I, I thought she looked good. And it's it's kind of weird to, you know, have the A topic of this fight be the loser. But it's, I don't know. It, it, it just kind of is. I mean, I don't know. You know, for, for, for Grasso, I mean, that's going to move you up in the rankings. Uh, I have the rankings here somewhere. I believe we just put her at number 10 because that was where Macy Barber was. Uh, no, okay, so we put Alexa Grasso at number 9, uh, which I... We, we already had her super high at 12, according to the UFC. The UFC is probably going to put her at 12. We have her at number, at number 9. Uh, Macy Barber goes from 10 to 11, Mataferi from 9 to 10, and Santos from 11 to 12. I know that's weird because I just did that out of order. So basically, Mataferi, Barber, and Santos all moved down a spot. Uh, yeah, and good for Alexa Grasso. I mean, you know, we've seen plenty of fighters, and now she's on a two-fight winning streak in this 125 division. And, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot to get a, a title fight at women's flyweight. You have to be a woman. You have to make 125. You have to have a heartbeat and pass a physical. And you just have to win slightly more fights than you lose. And at some point in the near future, you'll get a title shot. So, you know, Grasso's sitting pretty. I mean, there's a lot of fighters who have already lost to Shevchenko sitting above her. So, you know what I mean? Uh probably two wins away from a title fight. I mean, who knows? Like I said, the prerequisites for getting a a title fight at this division are um, very, very low. Very low. But she will get destroyed by Shevchenko, but we'll cross that bridge when we have to. But for now, congratulations to uh, the the Mexican Ronda Rousey or whatever the fuck they were saying she was. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. We had a unanimous decision victory for Kelvin Gastelum over Ian Heinish. Uh, that might have been outside outside of the main event. That that probably was a fight of the night. Um, actually, shit, no, I made it. I missed a huge one. Never mind. Okay, we'll get to that one in a minute. But uh, yeah, that was a really good fight and good for Kelvin because you know the talking point if you lose that fight is is not a good one. I mean, that would have been four in a row, three in a row. Either way, it would have been a significant losing, four in a row. Okay, I had it right the first time. Um, You know, four in a row, oh man, like does he need to go to a welterweight, which I think he does anyway, uh, because, I don't know, I think he just likes to eat a little bit too much. But um, yeah, no, Uh, he, he fought very, very well, obviously a very tough guy, and I just don't, I don't know what it is with Gastelum, you know. Um, you know, obviously Ian Heinish is not 
a top 10 or a top 5 guy, but he's a very dangerous guy. I I, I fancy Ian Heinish, even though he's like lost four of his last five at this point, but I think he's a talented guy. He's got good wrestling. He's a very big guy for the division, got good power, a good boxer. It's just, I don't know, man. Sometimes he just doesn't make the, the best choices. And and for Gastelum, man, I just don't, I don't know what it is. I mean, this is a guy who very nearly beat Israel Adesanya, and, and then, you know, I don't, I don't know, man. He'll, he'll beat Michael Bisping. He'll beat Jacare Souza, and then he'll, you know, I don't know. He'll get, he'll get choked in like 70 seconds by um, uh, Jack Hermanson. So, you know, I, I can't figure this guy out. He's only 29 uh, or, or something like that. So he's still super young, relatively, uh, in the game. But I don't know, man. If this guy could ever, you know, get a little more consistency, I really think he could be up at the top of the division. I'm not going to say he would win. I, I've, I'm very skeptical of him becoming a champ uh, unless it's at 170, which would mean he would have to fix his diet, which really would just mean, hey, let's go from let's go from 15,000 calories a day to 14,000. I, I don't think it would be that much. I mean, this uh, I don't want to get on my whole. Th- I don't want to be negative. I'm not going to be negative in 2021. That was my goal, but. I don't know, man. Some of these fighters need to fix their fucking diet because they're several weight classes above where they should be. But um, obviously a really talented guy. So, you know, it's good to see him get the win. Um, I'm becoming a little bit of, of, a, of a fan of Kelvin Gastelum. You know, I thought he was kind of a dickhead when he was doing that stuff about, um, like, wearing a belt and saying, saying uh, what was it? That was the fight that fell out with Rob, which he would have been, yeah, that would not have gone well. But talking about how he's the champ because if, if if this is wrestling and you miss the bout then the other person wins uh which was kind of douchey and also yeah kelvin but it's not wrestling it's fucking the ufc like you're right no no you're right you would be the champ in wrestling but it's not it's not like you're talking about two completely fucking different things where the rules don't apply so you know whatever but you know that performance he had against Izzy, I'll be a, I'll be a fan for life. Uh, seems like a very likable, likable guy. I like hearing interviews with the guy, and you know, good good to see him win. And then for Heinish, I mean, f- f- I don't know, man. I don't know, man. I guess he, he might just not be that good. Um, I don't know. I almost, I almost wonder if he should go up to 205. I don't really, I don't know. He's a fucking really really big guy. He's got a 72-inch reach, so if he ever went up to light heavyweight, and I don't know, I don't, that wouldn't go so good from a reach perspective. But you know, lost to Brunson, a lost to Akhmedov. He has the win over Mir Sharp, which was very good. I mean, that really shows you how good the guy can be. I mean, that was super quick. He's a dangerous guy. You know, good boxing, good good power, and you saw that in the GM3 fight. But I don't know, man. It really just seems like he's not he's not ready to to win. Uh, against guys who are ranked, um, I don't know. I would like to see him go up against. Now I don't know if these guys have fights scheduled, but it's more of a prototype. I want to see him go up against guys like this. Like I want to see him go up against a Brad Tavares or a Christoph Jotko or like a Yancy Medeiros. What? A, I don't even know what weight class Yancy Medeiros fights at anymore, but I know he fought like for all the way from like lightweight to heavyweight. But I want to see him. I want to see him because he's having trouble facing guys in the rankings. I want to see him face someone like 15 to 20. I think that I think there's a handful of guys you could cherry pick uh, that I, that I'd love to see 
uh, take on uh, Ian Heinish. Um, oh yeah, and then we have the the, the rankings change here. So Ian Heinish drops from uh, 13 to 15. Uh, Kevin Holland and Hamzat Chemaev both move up a spot to 13 and 14. And then Calvin Gastelum stays at number eight because he just lost to Darren Till, who's at number seven, and just lost to uh, Jack Hermanson, who's at number six. So can't really move him up, can I? I mean, I could if I was the UFC or some other stupid people who don't understand how rankings should work. But uh, no, we're going to keep him at number eight. It solidifies his number eight spot, uh, but it does not move him up. Alrighty, let's move on here to uh, a... Well, they said it was a catchweight bout, but it's really just featherweight between uh, Ricky Simone and Brian Kelleher. Uh, utter domination for Ricky Simone. Um, and, you know, that's that's good to see. Kelleher's no joke. Um, you know, a little... I won't even say career resurgence, but, you know, he's had a couple of pretty nice victories over, over the last couple of years. Uh, and and the, the perfect guy for a litmus test. And, you know, uh, Simone striking looked good. He was he was hurting Kelleher. I mean, put that gigantic gash on his uh, on his uh, forehead. So good, good performance for him. Um, I don't know. I would expect big things for Ricky Simone uh, moving forward. Just because the, the UFC has shown a particular liking to him, uh, you know, giving him Uriah Faber on his on his return fight and and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I would expect uh, 145 is pretty stacked, but I would expect a fight maybe in the rankings, maybe in the rankings for Ricky Simone. All right, moving on here to the main card opener. We had a round three submission via an anaconda choke by Julian Marquez over Maki Patolo. Uh, awesome performance for Marquez. It was not looking good. I mean, he lost round one, uh, lost round two, and uh, James Krause gave him some good advice there in 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 uh, in between round number two and round number three. Uh, you got to finish the fight or it doesn't count, and uh, he definitely finished the fight. Uh, that's a very, very scary guy. I have no fucking idea how, how that guy makes 185. That dude is so fucking big, it's ridiculous. His his weigh-in photos, uh, he just looks dry. He just looks like a spark would set him on fire. He, he looks depleted. And then in the post-fight interview, his fucking biceps are bigger than a fucking wine barrel. That guy's a really, really scary guy. And I think, uh, you know what was it, 31 months or something since he last fought. So, you know, it's good to see him back in there. He's only 30, so, you know, he's got, he's got time. Obviously, the layoff, I'm sure he he's uh, not too happy about that, but that was a really, really good performance. You know, showed his toughness. Um, you know, where the, where there's a will, there's a way. And, and that guy had a way and, you know, choked out Maki Patolo. Not the, not the best UFC fighter we've ever seen. Uh, he will probably get cut because he is like five five losses and six UFC appearances or, or something crazy. Um, but no, I mean, he, he, he looked good. Uh, likes to, likes to throw with power on every single shot, which I don't, I don't, I don't know if that's the best idea <laughs> to always do that. Cause if you, if you always throw with power, are you, are you really ever throwing with power? Uh, you're, you're kind of going to gas yourself out there that's kind of, well, there's probably a lot of reasons why both those fighters kind of gassed out. You know, it was a grueling dogfight, but, 
you know i don't know maybe maybe every fifth punch you just kind of maybe just maybe just fire it at 70 percent. just give yourself a little breather there but you know you got you got to respect a guy like that he's he's here to he's here to put on exciting performances so you know what i mean uh, i'll keep an eye on julian marquez that was a that was a very fun performance by uh, the cuban missile crisis All right, moving on here to the prelim headliner. We had a second-round submission via a arm-in guillotine choke from Anthony Hernandez on Hidolfo Vieira. Uh, probably the biggest betting underdog win in 2021. I don't, I don't think it'll hold all year, but it was something like a minus 450, minus 500 favorite for uh, Vieira. So that's that's pretty damn significant. That's That's... I don't know. That'll probably be top three. You know, we did the biggest upset of uh, of 2020 for the North Star Sports MMA Awards, and I feel like third place probably was like a minus 450, minus 500 fight. So I mean, that's that's probably going to be a contender. I you know, there's always stupid fucking odds out there, so I'm sure someone will beat it. You know, there's 10 months to beat it, but. You know that was that was very impressive. That was very impressive, and again, you know Vieira, uh, a, a very decorated BJJ uh, practitioner, and uh, you know what what is it? What, what do they say? Tiredness will make a coward out of out of all of us. I mean, that dude's got a lot of muscle and uh, gassed out very very quick, uh, and he does not like to be hit. Uh, you know, obviously, who does? But you know, it's out of Chris Lieben. But uh, every time he was getting punched, it was not good body language. So I don't, I don't know. I'm not gonna, definitely not gonna bury him because he's a talented guy, and you know, he'll he'll still be around. But you know, I I don't know. That was not a very good performance. And then for Hernandez, well, now I know, you know, now now I know. I mean, I really had a low opinion of Anthony Hernandez if I if I even had one before the fight. You know, oh, that's just the guy who got knocked out really quickly by. Kevin Holland, but you know, hey, now now I know his name, and a lot of the times, that's uh, you know, that's really all you can ask for. A lot of the times, you know, I mean, you're not going to become champ in, in in a single fight. You're not going to make a million dollars in a single fight. But if you can just get if you just get people to know your name, you know, that's step number one on you know your ascent to the top. You know, assuming that happens. So you know, very very good performance there for Anthony Hernandez. Uh, moving on, we had a unanimous decision victory for Bilal Muhammad over Diego Lima. Uh, I caught glimpses of that one, so I'm not going to talk too extensively on it, but it seems like it was a very well-rounded performance there from Bilal Muhammad. Uh, really just one of the more underrated guys uh, on, on the UFC roster. Very, very well-rounded. Good boxing. You know, he was grappling with Liga, uh, Lima. Uh, he, he was hurting him a little bit. I don't think that fight ever should have happened. I don't really know. I don't really know why that that fight happened, but uh, you know, hey, Muhammad seems to have the right attitude. You know, talking about he'll go up one spot every single time. Uh, he called out Lee Jian Ling, who I think is one spot ahead of him in the rankings. We don't have him ranked at North Star Sports. Um, I I would like to see him take on like uh, a Neil Magny. I, I think that would be a very interesting uh, matchup that you probably could put as like a co-main event on a fight night. Um, but you know, <laughs> I still think he's going to be looked over. I, I don't think that's going to change. So he's still got a long way to the top if he wants to rock and roll. But um, 
I don't know. I, 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 I do think he's a pretty good fighter. Some of these fights, you know, it, it gets a little sketchy, but, you know, he finds a way. He's like 10-3 and 3 in the UFC. You know, that Lyman good fight, I mean, he didn't make it easy on himself in that fight, but, he, you know, he found a way. Uh, yeah, and he's a cool guy. He's a cool dude. You see those fucking sunglasses he was wearing in the octagon? You know, that's a, that's a fucking cool guy right there. That's a cool guy. Um, and th- those 8K cameras are fucking amazing. I know I shit on the 8K cameras a lot for football, but that's because 8K cameras in football are fucking dumb. They make sense for the UFC. Because the reason, like, I, I like when people are like, oh my god, wow, Tom Brady... Can you see how 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 beautiful the, 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 these graphics are with Tom Brady? And it's like, yeah, but I can't see two inches behind him because you sacrifice the fucking depth of field to make it look, you know what I mean? You're just you're, you're basically just you know focusing in on on the foreground so heavily that you sacrifice everything behind it, you know everything behind the super clear Tom Brady, you know the the thousands of fans and the stadium and the hundred yards behind him just look like a blurry pastel painting that was just kind of smoothed over with one of those it looks like a fucking stained glass painting and not in a good way but it makes sense for the UFC because there's not obviously there still is depth of field but it's not hundreds of yards uh you know in a in a wide open fucking stadium you know it's a confined space so who really gives a shit and it's dark too so it's not even really really like you can see the fans that clearly you know in the 10th row behind uh the fighter so i love i love it that was a really big adjustment i think this was the first event that they did it for uh and 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 i really like it i think that's it's perfectly suited for combat sports um or you know maybe maybe hockey or basketball a a little bit but you know football i think that's the dumbest fucking place to put it because it's like okay oh there's kirk cousins looking like he's in fucking 400p and it's like okay and i can't see anything behind him you know what i mean He, he could be out of fucking walgreens for all i know i can't see anything so i'm not impressed but i was i was impressed on saturday all right, moving on. We had a round one submission via an arm bar for Pollyanna Viana over Mallory Martin. I have nothing to say about that one. Uh, we have a unanimous decision victory for uh, Chris Gutierrez over Andre Ewell. Very, very good fight. I'm, I've been impressed with uh, Chris Gutierrez. Uh, I, I think that guy's uh, legit. Um, he had a weird loss in it. No, he had the draw to Cody Durden. That's what it was. Don't really know what happened in that one. Uh, I mean, I do. I watched it, but I don't. I don't know why he fought like that. But you know, they had the ten-eight from Durden, largely due to his wrestling in round number one, and then uh, Gutierrez came back to win round two and rounds two and round three. Uh, this guy's leg kicks are fucking insane. Doesn't matter where they are to the body, to the calves, to the head. I mean, I think something like sixty. It might have been two-thirds of his strikes or something crazy, were were from his his legs. And, and you know, he's not just targeting his opponent's legs or their head. I mean, he he really attacks at all three levels. Um, you know, man, I don't I don't know what he did before he came to the UFC. I don't know if he was a world class kickboxer or something, but holy shit, is that guy striking really really good? And he just had Andre Ewell on the back foot for the last you know ten minutes of that fight. Just just looked really really good. And uh, you know, again, 
whatever, baby steps. You gotta you gotta stack a few wins together before you can fight in the rankings. So you have to beat some guys like Andre Ewell who are not, you know, high level guys. But you know, Andre Ewell's tough. I mean, fought with a broken arm, fought, you know, just getting his ass beat uh on Saturday night, and you know, just a very solid win for uh, Gutierrez. All right, we're moving on here to the prelim opener, and it was a unanimous decision victory for Gabe Green over Philip Rowe. Um, yeah, tough one for Philip Rowe, and and uh, I think on Tapology, like seventy-five percent of the people picked Philip Rowe, and Rowe was the favorite uh, to win this one. But you know, I was the one saying Gabe Green was going to win it, and uh, you know, Gabe Green is a dog. I mean, his fight with Daniel Rodriguez. I mean, that, that really was a, a special performance, as special of a performance as you can get uh, in a loss from, you know, just a toughness and, and just a real gritty performance. I mean, uh, so, you know, he, he ended up winning. You know, there's some stuff he's got to fix. You know, his, his fight IQ definitely has to get better. You know, shooting for takedowns when you, when you hurt your opponent on the feet is not smart. Shooting into the clinch when your opponent is hurt is not smart. Not smart. Well, it's not smart either, but it's not smart. Um, so yeah, I mean, he maybe could have finished Philip Rowe those couple of times, but it's just what are you doing? Like, there's a re- like if you're hurting someone on the feet, and, and just assume you're both two well-rounded fighters, so it's not like uh, fucking Adolfo Vieira's hurting you on the feet, you know. If you're getting hurt on the feet, you are going to shoot for the takedown or you are going to shoot shoot for the clinch because you just want a breather or you just want to go somewhere where you're not getting your ass beat. So for someone to, to hurt someone and then try to take them down, I mean, unless you're Khabib or unless you're like a master BJJ guy and that was your plan all along to get the fight to the, to the ground, like, you know, what are you doing here? That's just not smart at all. So, you know what I mean? And... He could have lost that fight. I mean, judges are fucking stupid, so... And it was a relatively close fight. It's not like he won 30-26 where it was obvious. So, you know, when it goes to a decision and you and you make decisions like that, I mean, I would say they got it wrong if they scored it for, scored it for Philip Rowe, but it's like, you can't even be mad. Like, when you, when you had that opportunity presented to you and you fought like an idiot and, you know, you got fucked over, which will happen... If you go to enough decisions, you're going to get fucked over. That's just a fucking mathematical fact. You know what I mean? I can't predict it'll happen in, at, at any given time, you know, any, any any given, you know, singular decision. But fuck me, if you string five decisions in a row and you're not, like, a dominant fighter like Usman, like, uh, yeah, you're probably going to get fucked over on, on at least one of them. I mean, it, it will happen. So when you can finish fights, you got to finish fights. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just something you got to do in this business. Uh, yeah, but with that, we'll wrap it up here. So, again, you can check out the full uh, rankings at northstarsports.media. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, Northstar Sports on Twitter at Northstar M I N. And thanks for tuning in, everybody.